0: Now we're joined by the experts at Vetify, a new data analytics and thought leadership company that is transforming financial services from an industry to a community, one relationship at a time. $800 billion, I think we have to say that again, $800 billion and counting for an industry that is, is still growing in size is impressive.
1: Todd, you get the uh, high honor of closing out 2023 on uh, ETF Prime. How do you like that?
0: I love it. It's great to be with you and great to be with your audience.
1: Hey, uh, before we uh, get into everything here, I do want to say congratulations on this uh, enormous industry news last week. Which, for listeners, if you missed this, uh, TMX Group announced an agreement to acquire Vetify. So they had made a strategic investment in Vetify earlier this year, but it now looks like they're uh, buying the full thing. So, uh, Todd, any quick comments or a uh, reaction to that?
0: Well, first of all, thank you, and thank you to everybody in the community that's been supporting us since this news came out. We're in a quiet period, so I imagine somebody from compliance might come running in the room if I go too far. (laughs) Uh, Then we're really excited about it, and it's been a a nice journey. I'm sure the audience knows this, but Vetify as a company was only formed in mid-2023, and so we've had a lot to celebrate this year. And I I posted uh, some content to ETF Trends, not about the deal with TMX, but just recapping from my perspective all the great things that happened. As you know, we had the Exchange Conference in February of 2023. You were there along with me doing some advisor education, and we'll be back again in February of 2024 with a new agenda, but hopefully the same great audience. Uh, We pulled some stats. Uh, We hosted over 230 virtual events. This year, with more than sixty thousand live advisor and some end clients in attendance, some of these were a new program we have called Symposium, two to three hours diving deeper into a broad asset category. And we made some acquisitions as well. So the the index companies that are behind Robo Globals ETF, Robo Robo, and the Amplify I Buy ETF, as well as other ones, are now part of the Vetify family. So. It's been a great year uh, in the ETF industry and and looking forward to 2024, but let's recap the year from an ETF perspective, too.
1: Well, let me just say again, congratulations to you and the Evetify team. I'm very happy for you all, and I know I certainly value uh, our partnership together and certainly look forward to continuing that and hopefully taking everything to another level, uh, right? I'm really just trying to keep pace with everything you all are doing on on your side. Uh, okay, so uh, as I mentioned, you do get the uh, high honor of closing out the podcast this year. And I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I think you know, Morningstar's Ben Johnson and I did the uh, 2023 ETF industry recap and then last week, your colleague, Dave Nottig, and I looked ahead to 2024. And I thought both of those were fantastic. But what you and I are going to cover, I, I, I do think will serve as a nice bridge because we're going to look at some of the hottest areas in ETFs this year. And then you're going to offer some thoughts as to whether the momentum can carry over into the new year. And, and then, like I mentioned, I also want to save at least a few minutes at the end to get a couple of quick ETF predictions from you. But um, l- let's build this bridge And so last week you published a piece where you highlighted five charts on ETFs recapping equities in 2023. This is posted at ETFtrends.com. And let let me give the, uh, the lead here. So you say, quote, it's been the year of active equity ETFs, the year of covered call ETFs, and a year when growth and quality has mattered most in the equity market. And then you also have a fifth topic, which we'll uh, get into as well. But let's go through each of these. And the first one, look, active ETFs, those were clearly one of the year's biggest stories, right? I I know we both covered this topic a ton. uh, But you were early here uh, because I know Vetify flagged this as an area of interest pretty early in the year. And then, of course, we saw that interest turn into real inflows. So I, I guess talk about that, and then more importantly, do you expect this to carry over into 2024?
0: Yeah, so the the flagging that we had is, and and these all came from vetify what are, we refer to as vetified charts of the week. As mentioned, we do virtual events almost daily uh, with advisor relationships. We ask some questions about the topic at hand and, and somewhat broader in nature. And so we were asking coming into the year relatively early, I think I published this, in late February uh, about their expectations to increase exposure to active ETFs uh, in the year ahead. And 87% were either somewhat or very likely to do so. And we certainly saw that taking place uh, as active ETFs, uh, in particular active equity ETFs, punched above their weight. I know I teased covered calls in my piece, and we're going to talk about covered calls. So let's put that on the shelf for a moment we've seen it you know i think roughly a year ago at this time if i was not the last guest i was one of the last guests. we were talking about how successful capital group had been with their uh first year in the etf marketplace it's an even been even more successful year they now have 18 billion dollars in a not only a not two-year-old business and capital group dividend value etf added three billion dollars this year dimensional funds past $100 billion in assets under management. They're not even, uh, I think they're just over three years old, uh, and they're now at $118 billion, uh, if the data I have in front of me is correct, with $4 billion going in to their largest uh, funds. That's more of a large-cap strategy. And, and J.P. Morgan, which has really benefited from covered calls that, again, I know we're going to get to with their equity premium income ETF, but an ETF J-GRO, J-G-R-O, uh, which is a more traditional stock-picking, uh, not alternative income, but more traditional stock-picking ETF, has pulled in more than $500 million. We've seen active equity ETFs gain market share off of a very small base, and I think they're going to continue to do so in 2024. I think my colleague Dave Nadig was a bit more pessimistic about the opportunities, I think more people are going to embrace active ETFs in the year ahead, uh, and we're going to continue to see them punching above their 5 or 6% share of the overall business.
1: Well, well let me ask you this. Um, you, you're right. When I visited with Dave last week, he, he definitely wasn't as bullish on active ETFs moving forward. And if I sort of read between the lines on his uh, his thought process, I, I think it does Ultimately come down to performance because if you're an investor, why are you investing in active? Well, you're hoping to outperform whatever the underlying benchmark is. And you and I have both seen the data for, for years now. We know how challenging that can be for active management to, uh, generate sustained outperformance. And, and so I, I guess a question that I would ask you, does it all come down to performance for active ETFs or, Is it because the active ETF category is still so uh, small and and, and nascent overall? There's such a long runway here for growth of the category that performance maybe won't be uh, as important. And With the caveat being you and I also both know that investors and advisors are always – there's going to be a subset that always look to outperform the market. That's never going to change. There's always going to be demand for for active. But do do you think performance is a bigger driver here, or do you just think there's such a long runway because this is still a a relatively uh, new and budding ETF category?
0: So I I would choose the latter of the camp, but for a slightly different reason. So I don't think performance – is going to matter as much there are many advisors many investors that believe in active management despite the data that tells them that on average it is hard to continue to outperform what is happening is we're seeing more supply so in the past week we saw blackrock launch the second active mutual active etf run by rick reader we saw vanguard in the past month launch two active core or core plus fixed income products When when BlackRock and Vanguard are entering into the active ETF marketplace and doing so more aggressively, they each had products beforehand. That, to me, is a sign that they're going to put their muscle behind educating advisors and because they're hearing from advisors. They're bringing products to market because advisors and investors are interested in it. So if we go broader than equities to active ETFs in general, then I think we still have lots of room to grow. For the people who believe in active management, they now have an ETF choice. Uh, and T. Rowe Price uh, has had success doing this as well. And uh, Alliance Bernstein and Morgan Stanley, and I can name all the firms, they're coming into the marketplace with some of their best ideas. I think they're going to be more well-received than people might be concerned about.
1: All right. I'm really glad that you brought up more supply um, because, is, is, is follow me here, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. Uh, yeah. As you mentioned, a big part of the active ETF stories uh, story has been covered call ETF. So you, you alluded to JEPI, which might have been the most mentioned ticker on this podcast uh, over the course of the year, the JP Morgan Equity Premium Income ETF, or, or maybe even over the past two years. But we did see a big boatload of new launches in the options-based ETF category and several other flavors of options, income ETFs uh, coming to market and and really doing pretty well in terms of asset growth. But uh, that said, (laughs) going back to the supply, you you might be aware, I'm on record as saying I think this entire space is a bubble. I I, I think there are way too many copycat products that have come to market. There's too much supply. So I'm curious as to your thoughts on, on that particular space moving forward.
0: Well, uh, I hear you. I think the word bubble is an easy word to use, and maybe I'm defining it different than you are. But JEPI has roughly $30 billion, and I pulled it today. It's around the 55th largest ETF in the United States. Let me just give you a couple of other ones that are around it, and you tell me if if there's too many products related to this, and there's a bubble. So VNQ, which is Vanguard Real Estate ETF, is just slightly larger. LQD, which is the iShares, iBox, investment-grade corporate bond ETF, uh, is just actually neck and neck with JEPI in terms of assets under management. We certainly have other real estate ETFs, and we certainly have other investment-grade corporate bond ETFs. I think covered calls has been a strategy that's existed Outside the ETF universe, for years, I remember studying for my Series 7 back when I had hair and learning what a covered call was before ETFs were at all popular uh, to the level of the degree that they are now. We have more of them. Are there too many? I don't know. We'll find out if money goes into them. Uh, ETFs like uh, PAPI from Morgan Stanley's Parametric Group uh, or the Goldman Sachs product, GPIX, Um, they're different. These products are not all the same as JEPI or JEPQ. I think there's room for more than one successful product, for more than one asset manager. Is there enough space? I guess we'll find out at the end of 2024 if these products have gained traction.
1: Yeah. Look, I I love the innovation in the ETF wrapper. I love seeing these strategies uh, be made easily accessible. And I'm gonna actually talk a little bit about this with uh, Matt Bartolini here in just a bit. But I, I think from my perspective, the category just feels a little faddish. And the way that I would describe that is if you look at 2022, that was probably a perfect environment for covered call strategies, uh, right? We had rates rising rapidly, so it wasn't a good place uh, to, to be in bonds. Uh, these these strategies could offer some downside protection as the equity markets faltered. But now you look this year, an ETF like JEPI is trailing the S and P 500 by I, I believe about 16 percent. Now look, I, I know that's it's not designed to to track the S and P 500. I get that to, for, for our listeners out there. My point is, I wonder how many investors saw this as a shiny object category, as Eric Balchunas over at Bloomberg might say piled into the space, and now they're significantly underperforming the market. Whereas maybe if they had just stayed invested in more broad-based equities, uh, y- they would be better off. And, and so I, I think that's what it comes down to for me is that this this was a really good place to be for a period of time. And then, as we usually do, we saw a lot of ETF issuers respond by launching products into the category. We see investors look at the category, and now they've underperformed. I think that's my concern when I call it a bubble. And I wonder if, let's just say, Todd, the markets stay relatively strong in 2024. At some point, investors are going to look at that performance and go, you know what? I need to be invested in the broader markets, not in a covered call strategy. And I could see a scenario where we see outflows from these products and and because of how many have come to market, there's just not enough uh, demand to support the the products that are out there. I I don't know if you have any, if you want to respond to that, but that's how I view it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think money has continued to go. Let's use Jeffy as the example in the post-trout. Money has continued to go in, in 2023, despite the fact that it's underperforming because there are advisors who are concerned about the market, who want to get some income generation, available to them and their clients. They want a more defensive approach. And they're, they seem to be okay with having lagging the broader market and giving up some of those gains. This is a more defensive approach. So I don't think people are piling in because of the strong performance in 2022. Like we saw with the ARC, for example, where money went in and chased the performance and then people got burned, and then they didn't want to go back. People have continued to put money into these ETFs and JEPI in particular in twenty twenty three as a result of it performing more modestly than the broader market that to me is not a bubble, but we can we can agree to disagree since I know you got you know you' got a Bartolini coming up, and I got a couple more things, including to make up predictions on the
1: fly. Yeah, look, just to put a, a period on this sent on this uh, sentence, I'll just say if if advisors and investors are viewing something like Jeppy as a tool in the toolbox and they understand how it works, how it's going to react in different market environments, fantastic. You, you, you know, I love that. I I just worry whether um, everybody fully understands that. But you know what? This might be a good category uh, for you and I to place another wager on in, in 2024, probably one that I'll, I'll I'll lose, which I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, all right. Two other equity ETF stories that you have flagged. I, I actually haven't covered either of these in, in much detail, so I thought these were good. So you specifically note the performance of the growth and quality factors. And I think most people are certainly well aware of what growth did this year, and so maybe you can focus more on the quality side. And and then along with that, I'm not going to ask you for an investment call here, but I would be interested to hear whether you expect interest in these factors to stay strong as we move into 2024.
0: Yeah, so well, I want to touch briefly on growth in a second, so please help me come back to it. but. But quality, which is one of those terms that you know it when you see it, you think it's in the eye of the beholder. Uh, Quality tends to be uh, ETFs that are constructed based on strong balance sheets, strong free cash flow, return on equity, and return on assets. And so the the ETF, QUAL, was particularly popular. I think it was among the top ten most popular uh, equity ETFs this year. Uh, in the article I wrote, I wrote about SPHQ, which is the Invesco S&P 500 quality ETF, which through the first 11 months was up 19%, which is slightly underperforming the S&P 500. Um, I think quality is going to remain important in 2024. And those two ETFs and other ETFs that are cash flow oriented, the cows ETF from Pacer, Victory has a product. Uh, that Vetify is the index provider behind VFLO. Uh, We've seen uh, our our friend John Davi at Astoria launch the ETF ROE that I know you talked about uh, with Dave in the past. I think these these are going to resonate well with investors. There's going to be market volatility. There's going to be earnings uncertainty as the Fed shifts policy. I think high quality makes a lot of sense, and I'll just squeeze my own way back in here before you, you respond. Growth was very popular, and I think people very much appreciate it because they they think it's a magnificent seven stocks. Growth was popular or outperformed value, it depends. So depends upon which index and which ETFs you're tracking. So the the Russell 1000 growth ETF, uh, which is IWF, is beating the – iShares, Russell, 1,000 value ETF, IWD, by 3,000 basis points this year. That's what people were thinking. But the S&P 500 versions of these, IVW uh, versus IVE, it's less than 1,000 basis points because it matters how these companies are classified. And if, if, if I have time to write before I go on vacation tomorrow, I'm going to try to dive into those indexes the S&P ones just rebalanced. And Meta, which used to be a value stock, is growth. Exxon, which used to be a growth stock, is back to being in value. The world can come back together. And so uh, I think that's a story worth paying attention to heading into 2024.
1: Yeah, I'll offer just two quick comments here. So on the growth – and by the way, not as always, not investment advice, but on the growth side – I think we would all agree if you look at valuations in this space, things look expensive. I I don't think there's any way around that. I I actually, um, you you may have seen this, I I tweet out way too many memes, by the way, but tweeted one out like a bunch of sheep walking and said, you you know, this is how it feels when you're overweight U.S. mega cap growth because it it just feels like you're going with a herd, you're going with a crowd uh, and, and maybe heading to slaughter at some point. But where I'm heading is I think it's tough not to stay allocated to this space until something changes, until we have some good reason to believe that growth and, and in particular mega cap growth isn't going to work anymore. So I, I expect the uh, the interest and momentum in this space to continue into 2024. On the quality side, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I, I think right now, a lot of people, uh, their base case is that we'll have a soft landing uh, with the economy. but. If things get a little dicey there, I, I think investors are certainly going to look to allocate more to quality stocks, quality holdings. And um, I, I think there's a good case to be made there, again, just if you look at valuations overall to what I was saying on the growth side. Now, certainly you can have both growth and quality stocks, but just if, if we're separating those factors, I do think we're going to see uh, some interest in quality. Uh, Todd, r- real quick, because again, I do want to get to your, uh, your predictions. You had one other story, and I I really like this one because this was a huge story earlier in the year that looked like it could really be the defining story of 2023. But as of now, everything appears okay. And that's the regional bank failures back in, what what was that, February or uh, or, or March? That seems like ages ago. But you note the underperformance of the financial select sector spider ETF, ticker XLF. So that's up uh, about eleven percent this year, versus twenty five percent, twenty six percent on the S and P five hundred. I would also toss in the Spider S and P Regional Banking ETF ticker KRE as well. That's down about eight percent. And again, I'm not looking for you to make an investment call here, but I, 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 what, what do you think about the financial sector moving forward? Do you like? Do you think this is an area advisors and investors are interested in potentially dabbling in?
0: I do, uh, because I think we're going to be in a different interest rate environment in 2024 than we've been in 2023. And, you know, XLF, since I'm using that as my example, has outperformed the broader market in the past month as we've seen bond yields uh, and the 10-year Treasury uh, pull back notably. So value tends to do better in a or can do better in a falling rate environment. Um, and financials being the largest or one of the largest of those sectors, I do think financials and value in general is going to perform better uh, in 2024 on a relative basis than than we saw in 2023. And so I, I think there's, I think advisors are going to benefit from having uh, exposure to banks uh, and and in particular, you know, I now pulled it up. KRE is up you know, three times the S&P 500 in the past month. It's up 15%. Uh, so it, it's worked if people think we're going to have 2024 that looks a lot like the the past month.
1: Yeah, and for listeners, I will be talking more about the uh, sector spiders with Matt Bartolini here in just a few. Um, Todd, with our remaining time, let's get a couple of ETF predictions from you. Though, <laughs> Okay, let me back up. To properly yeah, put a bow, <laughs> to properly put a bow on 2023, uh, I unfortunately have a little housekeeping to do here because you and I had a bet on one of my predictions for this year, which was that physical gold ETFs would garner over five billion in inflows, and I have been precisely wrong on that prediction. They've seen something like what four billion in outflows now. So, so would you like to take a, a very quick victory lap in front of the ETF Prime audience?
0: Yeah. So first of all, what I'm excited about is that every year you put forward five predictions. And I, when in early 2023, I asked you to put your money where my mouth was going to be and have you buy me a steak dinner in <laughs> New York uh, if, or the vice versa if you were correct. So, yes, uh, the price of gold has actually gone up. You should have done better investors just weren't buying gold ETFs. And I I lucked into this victory. Uh, You know, we have a a week or so left in the ETF trading year. But I feel pretty good about you buying me a steak dinner uh, in early 2024
1: on gold. Yeah, there's no question. You can pay in
0: cash if you want to (laughs) gold.
1: Hey, maybe I'll pay in Bitcoin, uh, digital gold. But uh, what what I was going to say is, you know, I have a very strong track record with my annual ETF predictions. And this year has been absolutely brutal, and I'll, I'll be talking about this more in the next couple of weeks. But I, I just completely missed the boat. On I, I think I might have gone zero for five or one for one for five or something on my five predictions. But uh, in any event, on that note, let's move on and uh, and talk about 2024. Maybe just give us two ETF predictions for next year.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll do the very easy one, and we can then get you to say Bitcoin uh, spot Bitcoin ETF uh, on air. I expect that we will have multiple spot Bitcoin ETFs by the time the exchange conference in February 2024 takes place. I think everybody is in agreement that it's among our friends that this is likely to happen in January. Eric Balchunas will owe me a different steak dinner because I predicted it wouldn't happen in 2023. My easy prediction is we will have multiple products uh, by February 2024, and I think we're going to see – over the full year I think we'll see, you know, between five and ten billion dollars of net new money coming in. Uh and I'll probably firm that up as, as I have greater confidence in who's actually coming to market and what price uh the products are. But I think there'll be demand for them over time, not the first day week uh of, of the ETF trades.
1: Yeah, I like that prediction. Of course, I don't think you're exactly going out on a limb there with that one, but uh, I like I like the prediction or the call on the uh, the potential, you know, five to ten billion. I think really, when we look at this story next year, that's going to be the fascinating part to track, right? Just how much demand, because and I've I've probably been a part of this, but there's been so much hype around a spot Bitcoin ETF that uh, you wonder if the the actual demand will meet the hype. And I think there's a case to be made that that perhaps it won't. I'm optimistic on uh, how these will do overall, but I think it'll be interesting. By the way, before I forget, um, I I do have to mention, because I I talked about this on Twitter, I asked uh, people to offer me up their best meme on a spot Bitcoin ETF. And honestly, I was a little disappointed in the showing, but I have to give it to a Athanasios Seraphagus over at Bloomberg, he had this one which was a meme template from the movie Casino, which I don't know if you know this, Todd, I, I can't remember if we talked about this. I absolutely love mob movies. That's my favorite genre of movies. I'm going to have a hard time explaining this meme. I'm just going to tell you to go to my Twitter feed, check it out. But it had to do with if the Grayscale conversion is held up. So in other words, Grayscale doesn't launch at the same time as competitors. Uh, And it had some of the other competitors just beating up GBTC while Grayscale watched. Uh, But I, I, I actually, I'm glad I brought that up because I think that's another interesting story to watch, right, is just the timing of when these spot Bitcoin ETFs come to market and all the marketing around it. I'm assuming you saw the uh, ad from Bitwise yesterday with the most interesting man in the world, and then uh, our good friend Matt Hogan over, over at Bitwise. Did you see that?
0: Yeah, and it reminded me of your upcoming guest, Matt Bartolini, who did something on uh, MidCaps uh, <laughs> with uh, a movie star as well that he got to be a part of, maybe tease him on that. Can I squeeze in my second? Yes, please, uh, please. Uh, loftier, in theory, pr- uh, prediction that you can hold me to is that I do think we are going to get approval for ETF share classes of existing mutual funds in 2024. I think once we get spot Bitcoin ETFs off of the front burner uh, with the SEC, they'll get to move on to what is, I think, a much bigger opportunity for the ETF marketplace. Uh, We have, uh, you know, it's just over a year ago. I think it was February uh, of 2023 when, when Emily Grappio of Bloomberg broke what I thought was the you know exciting news of the first firm. We now have seen dimensional funds and Fidelity uh, aim to convert existing uh, mutual fund products and offer an ETF share class. We've seen FM look to go the other way. I think this is going to happen by the end of 2024. I don't have a lot of facts to back me up other than it feels like the time will be right.
1: Real quick, going back to your uh, note on celebrity advertising, that was Elizabeth Banks advertising the, uh, the mid-caps for State Street, right? I, I didn't know. I, I wonder if Matt Bartolini actually was in an ad with her, with her office. He was. He was. He okay.
0: was, which is what's triggering for me. That's funny. Uh, for it. And I honestly could, just couldn't remember Elizabeth's name on the fly. Yeah. Bartolini rolls off the tongue so much better than Banks.
1: But uh, anyways, uh, to me. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, so going to your second prediction, do, do you think there's going to be any limitations in terms of what the SEC allows here? Because is is we've talked quite a bit about, you know, these filings out there from Fidelity and Dimensional and PGIA, they're for active ETFs. Vanguard has only been approved for index-based ETFs on the multi-share class. And then if you look at some of those firms that have filed specifically, we know Dimensional, and, and they've made a strong case. I had uh, Gerard o- O'Reilly on the show talking about their case for a multi-share class, but you know, their their products are much more, I'm going to say, index-like versus, say, a true uh, stock-picking active management. I, I'm just wondering, do you think there's going to be limitations in what the SEC allows with the multi share I don't customer? think
0: there's going to be limitations to what the SEC allows. I think there's going to be limitations to what asset managers want to offer. You're going to have to turn these into fully transparent products. Right. So I don't think we're going to see a concentrated... Uh, mutual, mutual fund have an ETF share class. Uh, I don't think the firms that have chosen not to go that route with full transparency aren't going to do so. I think it's going to be broad, active, you know, systematic oriented products that, that we're going to certainly come out of the gate. And I think those are the fr- products that dimensional and fidelity among others are, are more likely to, to bring to market.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think we both would agree Uh, if that does happen next year, just a huge tailwind for ETF growth, in my opinion, because it's going to allow these traditional fund managers to maintain that lucrative 401k business, uh, which is in mutual funds, and really much more aggressively pursue the higher growth ETF market. So. Uh, I, I agree. That's a huge story to watch. And uh, I think one, you and I will be talking quite a bit next year. But Todd, uh, just another fantastic year connecting with you and everyone at Vetify. Uh, it, as I was mentioning earlier, I, I, I really love the partnership here. I'm thrilled to see all of your success and, and your team's success. And I can't wait to kick off the new year, which, by the way, I will be calling the year of the spot Bitcoin ETF.
0: Well, I I look forward to seeing you down at Exchange in warmer weather in February and, if not beforehand, uh, enjoying that steak dinner where, more importantly, we get to hang out and talk ETFs in front of however many people want to join us.
1: Hey, thank you. Hope you and your family enjoy the holidays.
0: You too, Nate, and to everybody listening.
1: That was Todd Rosenbluth, head of research at Vetify.